0: that could make a Wolverine
1: career. On V-CIN, the Network. It's hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on v the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you guys. We're going to be talking a little college basketball, we're going to be talking a little football, and we're going to be talking some soccer, as we've got coming up Brad Thomas, who does great work over at NBC Sports Bet, and Anthony DeBundo, does great work at Action Network. They're going to be joining me in 15 minutes. We've got a World Cup final that is set. That is going to be a really good one between France and Argentina. And then on top of that, I want to get their thoughts in terms of the third place game because I mentioned it a little bit earlier. When it comes to some third place games, they are taken very, very seriously. Others, not so much. I am going to admit this right now. I am not necessarily the world's biggest soccer expert. I'm willing to think that it's very, very serious because it still counts for FIFA points and Obviously, you still have a lot of pride in just being able to finish third in the event rather than fourth, and if you're out there on the field, you might as well try to win the match anyway, so we're going to get their thoughts there, take a look at some angles for being able to gauge these final two matches of the World Cup, and then we're going to be talking a little bit of football with them as well, so we've got that on tap, and then we're going to give you guys what I like in terms of college basketball card in this hour as well, is this a pretty bare college basketball card for this lovely Thursday. But I said, we've also got a little bit of Thursday night football to hit as well. Probably going to be doing that towards back half of our number two as well. And something else that we've got to hit right about now is the fact that we've got so many people that do tremendous work here at VEASAN that make the Greg Peterson experience possible. It's got my name on all the banners and everything like that. But with that said, you've got my producer Jason that he is the man that books all these tremendous guests that you get in. I mean, the most difficult task of all is that he's able to keep me online and he keeps me just not going completely off the rails. That is much, much easier said than done. Jason does absolutely amazing work. Those of you guys listening on Visa.com, the iHeartRadio app, Terrestrial Radio, what have you, that's courtesy of our good friend Taylor. We've got every single hour of this show and every show here on Visa, whether it be the Greg Peterson Experience, a numbers game, visa prime time you're able to go down the list that is courtesy of sean he does great work there and then everything that you're seeing on the screen whether you're watching via visa.com youtube tv you're able to go down the list of providers that is courtesy of nick these guys are absolutely incredible they worked so so hard they are putting in a lot of work here during the holiday season and it is second to none really do appreciate all that they do so that means i've got to pay it off and i've got to Find some winners on this college basketball card for this Thursday. I mean, Louisville coming out, going out bl- guns blazing is something that I did not see coming. They scored north of 90 points, and I think the next time they score north of 90 points, we are actually going to be having jet pass like we had seen on the Jetsons many, many years ago. So that was a little bit strange. I think we're going to see a little bit of a lower scoring game in this one. I do think that this defense is going to reign supreme. 863, 864 on the board. It is Santa Clara. They're playing most UC Irvine. Zot Zot. That is the noise that an Anteater makes. And the UC Irvine Anteaters are between a 1 to 2 point underdog. Your tolerance game is anywhere between 141 and 141 and a half. Fortunately for me at DraftKings, I am seeing money lines currently up. I know that a lot of places don't list this up in the AM, so if you're fearful of the number getting away, what have you, I certainly do not discourage you from taking a point to two points, what have you, with UC Irvine. But with that said, I'm going to be all aboard the anteaters in this spot. I really love the way that this team has been able to come out and fire on all cylinders. It's a UC Irvine team that ha- they have cranked up their tempo. They rank in the top 75 nationally in terms of possessions per game much more quickly than you're typically going to find from them. But with that said, you take a look at UC Irvine. They rank 10th in all of college basketball in terms of their own three-point shooting percentage. DJ turn it up. Davis has been able to give the team north of 15 points per game. He is shooting over 45% from three-point range. You've got Dawson Baker. He's shooting in the mid-30s from three-point range. He's doing a good job in the backcourt. And that really is a difference maker for this UC Irvine team as opposed to past years. You always know that the UC Irvine defense, it is going to be out there and it's good to be able to do a solid job. And for UC Irvine, just take a look at what this team has been able to do. 15th in the country in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis when they are in a road or neutral court environment but with Irvine being able to have that offense fighting around cylinders it's big and really the cog to really make everything function that'd be Pierre Cockrell they got him in the transfer portal he was playing at Pacific a little bit earlier a little bit over five assists to under two and a half turnovers per game I love what he's been able to do for the team and they, now they have to go up against a Santa Clara team in which well, they're not so great on defense. They rank 230th, actually, in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis and opponent's three-point shooting percentage as well. So not so great on that front. And Santa Clara they have allowed 75-plus points in four out of their last six games. So it's been a little bit of a rough slide for them. And this is a UC Irvine team that... They come in having already gotten to their ledger, a double-digit road win against Oregon. They had a narrow three-point road loss against San Diego State as well, in which it took a Micah Parrish three with about three seconds remaining to put UC Irvine away. This is a real-deal team that I think is going to be able to win the Big West. I think that they could be a force if they make the NCAA tournament as well. And for Santa Clara, Braden Pozmetsky. He's a kid that he played his high school basketball in the great state of Wisconsin. He's been able to do a nice job 19.7 rebounds per game. You do have quite a few guys that are able to hit the glass for this team. Parker Braun has been able to give you right around six half rebounds per game. Jaden Badiaco has been able to give you six half rebounds per game as well. But I do think that UC Irvine having guys like Devin Tills and company down low. And Tills, guy that comes in from UNLV, he's also versatile at six for 90. He's shooting over 40% from three point range. They're going to be able to do a solid job against the Santa Clara team as looking to run a little bit more, but I do think that UC Irvine, they're going to be able to hold up on defense. UC Irvine, I think that they're starting to throttle down just a little bit as well, so I did set my total more in the neighborhood, about a 141.5. I'm going to be willing to dive under, trusting this UC Irvine defense, and I trust in the UC Irvine defense enough to think that they get the job done and win this game outright. So, all right, up here is going to be on the money line of UC Irvine, once again, if you're wanting to just take the assurance of a point or two, certainly donate that as well. But with regards to the write-up, all aboard the UC Irvine Anteaters money line slash with the points. So that's what we've got there. And then out west, we've also got a matchup between Seattle and Oregon on Thursday. This is 865-866 on the board. Oregon State they are finding themselves between a pick-up to a one-point favorite. Your total on game is ending between 136.5 and 137. And, this is another case in which I think that the wrong team is favored. I like Seattle in this circumstance. Now for Oregon State, credit where credit is due. There were some people that were questioning whether or not they were going to get a back 12 conference win this year, and they've already been able, they've already been able to do that. So they're looking relatively solid on that front. When it comes to Oregon State, they've been able to have Jordan Pope be able to emerge for the team. half points per game, shooting in the mid 30s from three point range, but. What you don't like about this Oregon State team is that Dimitri Rooney, who's actually been able to shoot north of 40% from three-point range, he chips in there about eight points per game. It's five and a half rebounds. That is currently leading the way for this team, and it's not necessarily a disciplined team for Oregon State. They've got a lot of young guys. They were expecting someone like a Christian Brown to be out there in the backcourt. He was a transfer from Georgia. His season was over before it even started. They were thinking, oh, we're going to have war T Atishe down low. He decided a few months before the start of the season, I'm just going to go pro. It's not going to be in the NBA, but I just want out of here. And as a result, it's caused Oregon State to be disjointed on offense. As a matter of fact, 23% of their possessions at home. It ends in a turnover. That is in the bottom 25 in all of college basketball. Meanwhile, you go up against the Seattle team that they're not quite the same on defense this year as they were last season. Last season, they were a team that ranked in the... <coughs> top 75 nationally in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis, but you have a Seattle team that they still do a relatively solid job on defense and they're going to have the overall best score in this game. His name is Cameron Tyson. Cameron Tyson did miss a game or two a little bit earlier in the season, but he is all good to go as this guy has been absolutely tremendous putting in there 23 and a half points, five rebounds per game while shooting just over 40% from three point range on 11.8 threes per game. To shoot over 40% from three on that sort of volume is absolutely insane. He's also shooting 63.5% the free throw line. He shot 85% the charity stripe last season. I do think that that is going to be going northward a little bit, but I do think that Seattle they're going to be able to win the battle on the glass. You've got Emeka Odeni. He's not necessarily much of a scorer, but as a six foot six, six foot seven, a little bit of a combo player, he gives you two assists, five rebounds per game. I like what he's able to bring to the table, and then. You've got Brandon in short field. He's been able to do a good job down low, giving you a, seven and a, half, point, six and a half rebounds, blocks, steal per game. He just does all the little things that this team needs. And for Oregon State, they're just completely outgoing. Dexter Arcano is able to give you right around 10 points per game. You do have Glenn Taylor, the fourth, I believe it is. He's been able to do a nice job being able to provide a few rebounds per game as well. But this is an Oregon State team that you're just looking for a little bit more size on this team. You can tell the effect that not having Warworth with tishe is having on this team as Oregon State. Right now, they're outside the top 200 in terms of rebound rate. It's not like this is a Seattle team that is necessarily barreling down the hatches in terms of glass or anything like that. But, that said, they rank right around 60th in this category. I think that Seattle has a nice leg up. You always do fear having to travel on the road in these circumstances. But also keep in mind, for these true road games that we're going to be seeing the next few weeks in college basketball, Many kids, they have already taken their finals. Many kids, they are now on spring break as well. So you're probably going to still have a few stray folks that are going to be on campus. I remember when I was in college, I would always take an interim period so that way I could get done in four years and it was just an excuse for me to not go home and instead me able to go out to the bars and everything like that, which was always a lot of fun. But that said, you don't have as many students that are on campus. So that is going to cause for a little bit of a lack of rowdiness. So... Some of the juice that you get from the home court, you're not going to have that until really the start of January, which is when conference play really gets hot and heavy. So that's a little bit of the handicap here as well. I am willing to take a shot with Seattle on the money line in this spot, and the Oregon State. They're playing at a bottom 40 pace in terms of possessions per game. I do think that they're going to be held down a little bit here. my total at to 135. So going under along with Seattle as a pick'em slash a money line underdog and. Coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at some soccer money lines as Anthony Debundo, who does great work at Action Network, and Brad Thomas of NBC Sports Bet, may join me to discuss the final two matches of the World Cup here on the Great Peters and experience on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network.
0: On v the Sports Betting Network.
1: Watch football with a little bit more on the line by playing for free in the Guinness Time Challenge. Just visit DraftKings.com Guinness. Set your lineup and watch the action unfold as you play. For your share of $115,000 all season long, Guinness made of more terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions they do apply See DraftKings.com for details. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. Always great to be joined by these two gentlemen as Anthony DeBundo. He does great work over at Action Network. And you've got Brad Thomas, who does great work over at NBC Sports Bet. Gentlemen, it is great to have you aboard. And Anthony, the final is now set between France and Argentina. And before we dive into the specific picks, just what do you make out of this matchup? Because these were two teams that were towards the top of the odds board. When it came to just coming into the World Cup, I know that France showed a little bit of shakiness. Certainly Argentina, the loss against Saudi Arabia. That didn't necessarily bode too well for them, but they've been able to make it. And I do think that this sets up a match that, let's call it what it is, a lot of people wanted to see.
2: I mean, without a doubt, you know, uh, two players that people widely regard as the two best players in the world right now. Certainly two players that have been the best at this tournament going at it against one another. Argentina and France, a rematch from four years ago. France went on to win the World Cup in 2018, has the chance to be a repeat champion. Argentina lost to them in 2018. They were a shell of themselves uh, back then. Now they have a chance to avenge the 2014 final loss and and finally get that messy World Cup that's missing from his GOAT resume. So there's a lot of storylines, two great teams, two great soccer nations. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Oh, it certainly is. And then, Brad, I want to get your thoughts on the third place game, because We see third place games in so many different sports. Like I always consider the NIT to be number 69 in college basketball. And that's just happy action, fun time. They're out there. They're trying to pad their sets, what have you. They're not really taking it very seriously. Meanwhile, in other sports, you see the third place game be taken very seriously. From just a little bit of a soccer newbie standpoint, I have to think that this is a game in which they are going to be going all out Croatia and Morocco. But that said, Give me just a little bit of a handicap on this game, because I do think that it is interesting with both of these teams in Croatia and Morocco playing in a third place match. And I have to think it still counts very much for things like the FIFA points and still a lot of pride in terms of both of these nations going out there.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, this is still one of those matches. No one wants to play in, right? Yeah. L- the ultimate goal is to be playing in the world cup finals. Um, what you'll see is a little bit of tactical changes. Um, you know, I think we'll see both teams kind of want to go for this. They are going to want to win this game. This is different than maybe like in England or a France. Uh, this is Croatia, Morocco, two very proud countries. Morocco this is their first time in the third place game. And Croatia, uh, one of the smallest countries uh, that has made it this far, even though they were the, the the in the finals last World Cup, they're still a very prideful country. I'd probably bet the over here, um, you know, tactics change a little bit. This is more of a, you know, like I said, like a celebration of how far they've come, a celebration of their country. So they're going to play uh, aggressive, fun, and, and really just kind of get after it. It's kind of funny to see, like, if these two teams would have met in the finals, these two teams would have met in the semifinals, there's no way that we'd have seen a total of two and a half. We'd probably seen a total set around two, and it'd probably be juiced to the under. Uh, now it's two and a half a juice to juice to the over. And I, I think that's fair. It, it's going to be fun game.
1: And I will ask you about this, Anthony, as well, because I do think that it is interesting to take a look at the third place game, because right now on the three-way line, the draw is plus 245. Morocco's 210. Croatia's 135. Because it is a third place game. Do you think that that co- could cause for maybe – a team that might be down a goal, something like that, if it's a tie game, teams decide to go for it rather than playing it a little bit more conservative to the vest, try to get it to penalty kicks because I think that an angle that could be taken a look at here is that I have a feeling that in a third place game like this, they're a little bit less content to go with a draw and go to penalty kicks, something like that. Yeah, without a doubt.
2: It is interesting, you know, like Brad mentioned, they did play in the group stage. I mean, this is a rematch of a match that already happened at this World Cup. Uh, Croatia was minus 110 in that game. Now they're plus 130. So the market is clearly showing respect for Morocco and the run that they went on and the performances they put on against a lot of European giants. Uh, and the total is much higher. That meaning the total was two and a quarter. Game ended nil nil. It was not the most exciting match in the world. It was uh, both teams created less than 0.7 expected goals. So it was a very cagey affair. I expect both teams to go at it much more with nothing on the line here. Especially Morocco did have some defensive injuries uh that you know those guys are not going to play so we're going to see kind of a backup lineup defensively Uh, and that you know we should see that you know their fullbacks getting forward quite a bit as well so i would look toward the over maybe both teams to score both defenses have been very good at this tournament but croatia especially has ridden their luck a bit to get to this point
1: yep i do think that that's such a good point that you bring up there and then how about if we take a look at what is going to be the big one that is going to be the match that many of us have been wanting, it's a rematch of 2018, France and Argentina. And right now on the three-way line with or yep, yep with France and Argentina, France is right now plus 175, Argentina's plus 185, and the draw is plus 205. So very, very slightly France's favor, but it's a relative pick them here. Brad, where do you stand in terms of this match? Because I do think that it is so interesting. And I mean, just from my perspective and everything that I have looked at, the draw plus 205, hundred five—that is a lot of appeal to me.
0: This is an interesting match, right? You know, this is the rematch of the 2018 quarterfinal. And both teams are so different, yet have so many starters that are going to be starting in this match. Uh, Griezmann, Giroud, possibly Giroud, uh, with the new Benzema news that comes out that Benzema might actually play. Uh, Mbappe, all starters on this team, Verón, Lloris. Then Then you have Messi. Uh, if is fit, he's going to be playing on this team, Odomendi. But they're, stylistically, they're so different now. Um, I'd probably play over two goals. I think we get a pretty good chance at pushing at worst. Um, there's just so much talent on the pitch with two of the world's best players who basically will their team to scoring goals. And then Anton Griezmann's playing uh, absolute f- fabulous football. He probably deserved an assist today with that through ball that he had uh, that narrowly missed the mark, so it's kind of hard. And what's kind of funny in this is there's three players, four players who have a realistic chance to win the Golden Boot. I guarantee you, they're going to tell you that the World Cup means more to them than anything. But there's a little chip on their shoulder because they want to raise that Golden Boot trophy. So I, I don't think it's I, I don't think we're going to see some 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 fest But there's just so much individual creativity and brilliance that I, I think two goals is fairly safe. So. I'm okay with backing over two goals.
1: And how much do you think that because it is a standalone game, this is a final, it's not like, all right, we need to try to hold on as much as humanly possible so that way we're just able to advance. Does that play in terms of your handicap of the total, Brad?
0: Um, Not necessarily. Um, I think that these two teams, especially led by the managers that they are, they play their brand of football regardless of the opponent or the stage they're in they might change their brand of football depending on the score but both of these managers are going to want to go up two nil um i i would say what makes me a little bit more confident in this is neither team have been particularly good in defense and they have been conceding at an alarming rate so i mean even if you want to do it both teams to score maybe if both teams have scored over two and a half, I'd probably just keep it safe at over two goals, just in case one team wins two zero, I get my money back.
1: Absolutely. I do think that that's a good way to take a look at it. And Anthony, big one here. We've got France and Argentina. Where do you stand in terms of this one? Because I said, I think that it's really hard because Brad said it very, very well. Both of these teams, they're a bit different stylistically, but both just play their brand of football so good. Yeah, that game four years ago was 4-3.
2: Very different teams. Uh The difference with France, they're playing just more high event. They're playing more aggressive. Uh, Griezmann getting forward more, not doing a ton of defending. Mbappe doesn't really defend. So they're keeping two guys high at all times, looking for those transition moments. And they're getting their fullbacks forward a lot. Teo Hernandez scoring today, getting forward a ton. Their midfield is a little bit less defensive than it was four years ago as well. So France invites pressure. They let you have the ball. Argentina will have a lot of the possession in this game. They will get Messi in space. That will be the number one goal, to get Messi space to operate right in front of the the defensive line. And the way that France is defended in this tournament, I think Messi is going to be able to operate pretty efficiently there. But like I said, you can't stop France. They're going to get their transition opportunities. They're the best in the world at it in the international world. Mbappe, Griezmann, and Dembele should be able to get to this Argentina defense. I agree with Brad. Both defenses come into this tournament pretty overrated. The market of course, is pricing in the fact that this is a World Cup final. Both managers are going to be defensive and conservative and not want to concede. But all you need is one first half goal to completely change the game state and force one team to be the aggressor. And this game opens up significantly. So I like over two. I like both teams to score. uh, Both of those right around minus 105. Those are my two bets for the World Cup final. As far as the side goes, it's really hard to say. I mean, I think France have been marginally better throughout the tournament. But I still have so many question marks about this defense. Even today against Morocco, Morocco, without individual elite defensive performances from France, would have scored multiple goals. They were knocking on the door for large stretches. So I think Argentina will have a lot of success. I think it's pretty close to a toss-up.
1: Yep, that was a massive swipe for anyone that had the under in that France versus Morocco match. That is for sure. So. That is going to be really interesting to take a look at. And we've talked a little football here with Anthony along with our good friend, Brad. Coming up next, we're going to talk some football as we take a look at the NFL with Anthony. Who does great work at Action Network. And likewise for Brad over at NBC Sports Bet. Up next here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa the Sports Bank Network.
0: Peterson himself on VSEN, the sports betting network.
1: All sports are in full swing, and BetRivers online sportsbook is your home for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a soccer, football, hockey, or basketball fan, BetRivers has you covered. Join us every week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance. Sunday football parlay insurance and so much more. Head on over to betroofs.com as well for everything World Cup and check out the daily World Cup bet and gets as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network, and always great to be joined by Anthony Dubundo of Action Network and Brad Thomas over at NBC Sports Bet. We just talked a little football with them. Now let's turn it over and talk some American football. As Anthony, I know that you do a great job on this sector as well. And Let's take a look at, I think it's one of the more fascinating games of the week. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars playing host to the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys coming off of a very big scare against the Texans, but still were able to get the win regardless. Right now, I'm seeing between a four to four and a half point line with Dallas being the favorite. Total on this game is 47 and a half. I have felt like the li- the lines on the Jags have been a little bit too generous to them throughout much of the year, but I really like the way that they've been able to put things together in the past few weeks for the Cowboys. You do fear a little bit of a look at spot here. Where do you stand in terms of this game?
2: Yeah, I think you mentioned it, you know, Dallas got caught sleeping last week against Houston. They escaped and I think they could be caught sleeping again here uh, with Jacksonville on Sunday. They have of course the big matchup with Philly uh, on Christmas Eve that could well decide the division But this is also a bet on Jacksonville as much as a bet against Dallas. Jacksonville, their red zone offense has been a problem all season long, but they have been moving the ball up and down the field most of the year. It's just come come down to the the scoring area. They've struggled, and that tends to be a little bit more random and and subject to variance, whereas on a play-to-play basis, the Jags have actually been a top-six offense in the league the last six weeks, so they've really turned it around. Lawrence has taken a huge step forward, of course, and yes, the defense has been absolutely terrible but I don't expect bad defenses to stay terrible. I mean, just remember, about a month or two ago, the Lions were by far the worst defense in the NFL. Since then, they've played like a top 10 defense in the NFL, so there tends to be much more variance in defensive performance as well. Give me the good offense here with Jacksonville catching over a field goal. I like the Jags. And Dallas's defense, as good as they've been on some of their numbers, if you look at early down success rate, which is a metric I like to use because it tends to be more predictive, they're actually outside the top 10 against the rush and the pass. Teams have been able to move the ball on Dallas. Looking at Indianapolis, the first three quarters. Houston, these are not good offenses. They've been able to move the ball on the Cowboys. I think the Jags can do the same. I think this ends up being a pretty close game. Maybe
1: Dallas squeaks it, but the Jags plus four, four and a half is good with me. I think that that's such a good point that you bring up because there have been many, many studies done in terms of variance from offense versus defense, and as long as you obviously Don't have, oh, I don't know, a starting quarterback out like many of these NFL teams do this week. It does show that offense, it typically has less variance than defense from year to year and heck, even week to week. So I think that that's a great point that you bring up. And speaking of one of those teams that is playing a backup quarterback, that would be the San Francisco 49ers. It has been Brock Purdy mania for the 49ers, though. He has been a little bit limited in practice. I think that he's going to be good to go in this one or else it's going to be our good friend Josh Johnson, who... If you take a look at his resume in the NFL sphere, it's like having multiple families going to the Olive Garden, what have you, and passing around a bunch of baskets of breadsticks. Josh Johnson has been the basket of breadsticks, just passed around from team to team to team. And I think that this is like this fourth go around with the 49ers. So that's... That's something that if you want to just go down to a wormhole and do some research, there you go there. But that said, with the 49ers, they're between a three to three and a half point favorite. Dallas game is between 42 and a half and 43. What are you saying on this one, Brad? Because with Seattle, they've been a little bit lackluster recently, but I do still think that there needs to be a massive credence for their great home field advantage because the 12s, they're going to be out in full force in this one.
0: Yeah, man. How about the 49ers? Uh, they get to come into this game. Everyone thought that they'd be coming off this tough. Hard-fought battle with Tampa Bay, but instead, they absolutely waxed them. They were able to get their starters some meaningful rest for the short week coming ahead. And then the Seahawks, they were everyone's underdog darling to bet on. And, uh, you know, they've been anything but. They've been dreadful, absolutely dreadful stopping the run. I do believe Brock Purdy's going to play. You know, he had the rib injury. Um, He's sore. Uh, You know, that's what happens when, you know, you're finally a starter in the NFL the Seahawks for me kind of lost a little bit of that luster um, in a game where, where Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to you know do what he wants on the ground is going to open up the game for Brock Purdy much much more this Seahawks team man I don't know what happened to them defensively because there were a time where we were talking about them kind of being back to what the legion of boom was now I mean, they made Baker May, I mean, excuse me, they made Sam Darnold look like Sam Darnold's back at USC, throwing tutties all over the place, all over them. So for me, I like the three here. It is a short week. Uh, it is prime time, but I do think they'll be able to get the ground game going. And, and when you have an offensive mastermind, like I said, when you have the ground game available and it's accessible and it's working well, it just opens up the rest of the playbook. So, and also the Seahawks absolutely need Kenneth Walker to remain healthy. No more Knicks in practice, or this could be like one of those, Those games where we watch, it's going to be like 35 to three. And we're like, this is absolutely terrible. I want to turn this off. Why did we get another bad Amazon performance?
1: Yeah, the Amazon games have not been too terrific this year. Just as the Colts and the Broncos from a few weeks ago. Oh, how about the Commanders versus the Bears as well? You're just able to go down the list. And to your point, the Legion of Boom. Well, you probably want to leave off that final M because it's been more like the Legion of Boo recently. And said, in terms of both of these defenses, they've been relatively solid all year long. It's the Giants and the Commanders. And Anthony, I know you've got a little bit of a play here with the Commanders. They're between a 4.5 and a 5-point favorite. This game is 40, and I can't remember the last time I've ever seen this. The Washington Commanders' last game came against the New York Giants. And it's not like it went from 2021 to 22 or anything like that. They're just coming off of a bye week that was very late. Any sort of a lean here because this is just a very unique situation, and not really a revenge spot for either team, but maybe one for both because last time we saw them, they died.
2: Yeah, it was interesting. You go back and watch that overtime. Both teams knew the playoff situation. Neither team could lose it. And a tie kind of benefited both teams in the playoff race. So neither team was really selling out the uh, the pulling out all the stops to score in that overtime. Uh, and I, I, I just can't get to this number. I mean, how? After they played it to a statistical tie two weeks ago, and if you look at the box score, total yards, yards per play, turnovers, third downs, everything was pretty even in that game. It was a very even game. Washington came back with a late touchdown to force overtime. Giants led most of the way. Now they're catching four and a half on the road, and I would say Washington has one of the three worst home field advantages in the entire league. And they're, you know, it's a br- very brief trip. There's a lot of familiarity. Of course, they just played two weeks ago. Nothing in that game, and you know, normally you'll see one team makes adjustments, the losing team gets more motivation, they can make changes. Like you said, both teams tied, so who really has the edge here? And if you look back at the, the Heineke commanders, they've been pretty fortunate. I mean, they're five and one under Heineke and five, one and one, but they're still 20th offensively in EPA per play. And their defense has really carried the way. They've been a top five defense, but the Giants were able to move the ball pretty well against them two weeks ago. And this commander's secondary still has some holes uh, that I think the Giants may be able to exploit here. So I like the the plus four and a half. Anything over three here, it's hard for me to not take the underdog. I expect points to be hard to come by. Classic late season divisional game. Also like the under. I think it'll be very tight throughout with neither team really able to get the upper hand. So you're going to give me four and a half, five. I'm going to take the underdog and the Giants.
1: I totally see you. I feel like this could be more like a field goal game. And I do think that the commanders obviously being on their home field, they deserve to be a little bit of a favorite, but I do think that this is going to be one of those games decided in the final possession. So I'm in agreement with you there. And then how about if we take a look at, I think it's one of the more befuddling lines on the board with you, Brad, the uh, Colts are going to be on the road going up against the Minnesota Vikings. And I totally get it. This is a Vikings team of which should they be 10 and three right now? Probably not, but If you're telling me that this is going to be less than a field goal game on a neutral field, I just can't agree with you because with the Indianapolis Colts, who in the heck knows what you're going to be able to get out of this team. They've been all out of sorts. They had their one hurrah with Jeff Saturday out here in lovely Las Vegas, but he's proving why his last name is Saturday and not Sunday and or Monday night. And I take a look at this spot with the Minnesota Vikings I just feel like they should be a bigger favorite than this. I'm not sure if you agree, so I disagree, but this just feels short to me.
2: The line
0: feels kind of fair to me. Um, it's always, you know, the teams who are led by great offenses but bad defenses that have the head scratchers for the lines. Um, if there is a team that will allow the Indianapolis Colts to score 28 points or more in this game, it is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. Their secondary has been absolutely abysmal. And I think that that kind of allows for Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman to kind of do some damage. Now, do I want to uh, do I want to bet on the Colts in this situation? Absolutely not. Uh, Minnesota is coming back on a huge bounce back spot with a chance to absolutely try and and, and, and clinch the division here. Division division clinching games are, are the lines either get inflated or they're undervalued because they think there's gonna be too much pressure. Well, with the uh, with the Detroit Lions playing the Jets here, which is no with the no, no gimme. I think that the Minnesota Vikings know they win this game. They're going to win the NFC North. So I'd probably leave Minnesota, but man, after what happened last week and what's happened the other few weeks, I can't trust that defense, so I cannot lay four with them.
1: And to your point, last time the Vikings won by more than one score week one against Green Bay Packers. So it has been a while for them, and right, it won't be too long for you. You'll be back with me in about. 30 or so minutes and Anthony I know that you do great work at Action Network. Great to have both of those guys aboard and coming next, we continue the football conversation. I'm taking a look at Thursday night football. Next here on Sin, the Sports Betting Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson
0: himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: VEASAN is the gift that keeps on giving. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber for just $79, and you'll get access to everything that we do now through the Big Dance sign-up now. And you'll also receive $20 to buy VEASAN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear at our online store. Only VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to daily recaps of top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. Tools like betting splits that let you see where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. Deep dive betting reports plus ongoing college bowl coverage with best bets on every single bowl game. Sign up because this is a limited time offer, so you're able to get the perfect sports betting holiday gift and give Vison Pro access all the way through the end of March Madness at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Vson, the sports betting network, and that read reminds me, if you have yet to do your Christmas shopping, You probably want to do it right now because it takes a few days if you're ordering off of insert your favorite site here for things to be able to get to your front door and you don't want to be having to Christmas shop on Christmas Eve. Trust me. Christmas Eve is one where I just... I stay away from shopping personally because I just want to be able to enjoy it. I fortunately have all my Christmas shopping done, not to be a bragger or anything like that. But that said, we've got a lot of money to be made because I know that those Christmas gifts, they do not pay themselves. So a big thanks to Anthony DeBundo of Action Network, along with Brad Thomas of NBC Sports Bet for joining me, helping us try to unearth a little bit of value in terms of the World Cup and NFL this week. Now let's take a look at the big game that we are going to be getting. On this Thursday, and that would be Thursday Night Football. My opinion, one of the better Thursday Night Football games that we have gotten because the cards for Thursday Night Football, I'm sure many of you might agree, they have not been great. But I said, we've seen a little bit of movement in terms of this line from when we've been doing this show much of the week. It is the 49ers and the Seahawks, and with the 49ers, a lot of spots, they were having this as a three and a half point line. Now you're really only seeing one to two books with a three-and-a-half up there. We've seen this go down to three, and your total on this game is a 43. I would say that if you like the 49ers, you certainly want to be laying three, and if you like the Seahawks, you want to be taking three-and-a-half. You want to do everything humanly possible to take one of those three and a half. So I would not be overly surprised if we see this go back to three-and-a-half in the AM. Just a very strange game, though, because you've got a banged-up 49ers team in which You got to expect that Brock Purdy is going to be able to play in this game. I know that he's been dealing with a little bit of soreness. There's been injury reports, but if Brock Purdy is not going in this game, you've got Josh Johnson and Josh Johnson, man. I mean, this guy has found himself in uh, more hotel rooms than a traveling accountant. It's been absolutely insane what we've been seeing out of Josh Johnson. He's on like team number 18 and I'm not even kidding. If you want a fun Google search, just take a look at all the teams that Josh Johnson has been on. It's, ridiculous to say the least. I do think that we're going to get Brock Purdy in this game, but I look at the Seattle Seahawks team and I don't necessarily want them on the money line, but I just have that sneaky feeling that they're going to win. It's not necessarily as analytically based, but I think that the 12s are going to be able to provide a great home field advantage for this Seattle Seahawks team, and I do think that it deserves quite a bit of credence. I do think that Seattle has one of the best home field advantages in all of football, and I think that credit is due to all those folks out there in the Pacific Northwest that week in and week out support this team. And with the Seattle Seahawks, you still have a solid offense. I recognize that Geno Smith Hasn't quite been in recent weeks when he was towards the beginning part of the season. A lot of that is because Kenneth Walker has been dealing with injury, and I do think that is a big thing to take a look at for the Seattle Seahawks because the Seahawks wound has been really with having Kenneth Walker out of the fold, and that is a big deal as it looks like he should be good to go on this one. He was able to see three carries in their game against the Rams a few weeks ago. He completely missed last week, so now you get him back out there, and I think the That is a big difference maker. Now, previous two games in which he played a full game and a combined 24 carries, he was only able to put up right around, I think it was like 43, 44 yards, but I think that he's going to be able to bust out. He's going to be able to have a solid game and they're going to need him to because this is a 49ers defense that is one of the best in all of football. And for the Seattle Seahawks, well, not been going so great in terms of this defense. They've been all sorts of banged up, having quite a few guys out of the fold along that front seven, but... I do think that they're going to be able to have guys like Bruce Irvin and company be able to get home. I do think that they're going to be able to put quite a bit of pressure on Brock Purdy. Once again, I just don't want to invest too much in Brock Purdy right now because we've seen him for six and a half, seven quarters of play. And I mean, has he been impressive? Absolutely. Many of you might've seen him at Iowa state. I did as well. I loved what I saw from him at Iowa state his freshman year. And then from there, eh, Not great, to say the least. And now he has to try to operate without Debo Samuel, which they were able to do so for quite a bit of the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that said more about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the fact that this team stinks. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not what we were expecting them to be. They have went completely down the toilet bowl if it wasn't for Tom Brady, pulling off two heroics against the Rams and the Saints and give credit where credit is due for a 45-year-old man to do that. I mean, that is Herculean. And I think that that is actually the appropriate term for that because this team stinks. I mean, that's exactly what you got there. But with the 49ers, they're going to be looking to run the ball, and they're going to be looking to run the ball heavily with Christian McCaffrey. It is going to be a Christian McCaffrey game in this one. I do think that it's going to be a Walker game in this one as well. I'm in agreement with what we were hearing from Brad Thomas. I think that this is going to be a low-scoring, grimy sort of game. And I just don't want to be caught in the flash of the 49ers who – They've laid a few turds this year. I mean, remember when they were in prime time against the Denver Broncos. They couldn't get to 10 points in that game. They've had a lot of circumstances where it's like, all right, now the the 49ers are cooking with some gas. They're really doing a solid job. And then they lose to the Atlanta Falcons on the road. And a lot of their woes have come on the road. Now, week one is ancient history. That was a monsoon game against the Chicago Bears. I can't take anything into that whatsoever. That is one that which you completely just toss aside. But for this 49ers team, I do feel like some of the high scoring that they've had, it's been a little bit of fool's gold and it's been against competition. that has been a little bit outmatched the Miami dolphins game. I think that was a little bit more of an anomaly than anything else. And I do think that they're going to get caught in this game against a Seattle Seahawks team that I think that they're going to be able to move the ball. Just a little bit. I really don't want anything in terms of like Geno Smith overs, anything of that nature. Is over touchdown prop is one and a half. I'd be looking at the under if it wasn't minus 165 juice. That's just a little bit too much to lay in this one, and you really just don't have anything in terms of Brock Purdy. We should probably be seeing them when it's confirmed that he's probably going to be starting at the uh, I would say few hour mark before the game, but. You're just not finding anything there. But what I do like is some of these rushing props over, assuming that it comes onto the board, something like a walker to be able to go over. That's something that appeals to me. And Christian McCaffrey, right now we're finding his rushing prop at 79 and a half. I'd be looking more towards rushing plus receiving yards. That's more around 119 and a half because he is going to be heavily involved in the pass game. Once again, gotta figure that it's gonna be proc purdy. If it's Josh Johnson. Trust me, Josh Johnson is going to be dumping it off as well. So I don't think that it's really dependent on the quarterback in this ordeal. I think that he should be able to do a solid job there. What I do think is interesting is the rush is prop with Christian McCaffrey. The juice is a little bit high at 17 and a half, but I think that they're going to be feeding him the rock. And I do think that they're going to be feeding him the rock heavily. I recognize that McCaffrey is someone that you fear that he might break down a little bit, but here's the rest of the running back core for the 49ers. You've got Jordan Mason and Tyron Davis price is not necessarily the monsters of the midway with McCaffrey. The, if he does go over 17 rushes, I do think that that would be a high for him for the 49ers, but I do think that this is a week that they look to him. I'd be looking at this total over in terms of rushes. And then when it comes to, where you able to get on the rest of the board, I do think that's a little bit slim pickings right now because many of you guys are probably taking a look at the prop board as I'm doing this live and/or a very early morning replay, and you're just sitting there wondering, all right, what do we all have in terms of these passing props, and you really don't have a whole heck of a lot. Which I do think that that is a little bit of a bummer, so I'm not able to get about quite as much as I would like to. But if there is a guy that you're taking a look at in terms of perhaps a bit of a, a bit of an under in terms of his receptions. I would honestly be taking a look at DK Metcalf under four and a half receptions. You're able to get that at a plus 125. I think that the Seahawks, they're going to be looking to the ground. Even if Walker isn't necessarily hundred percent, I do think that this is a circumstance of which it is going to be very much both of these teams looking to grind it out on the ground. I'm looking at this total under right now, seeing it any between 42 and a half and 43. I think that obviously you want the best of the number, but either way you should be fine on that front end. Once again, with the Seattle Seahawks, I like them in this spot. Certainly shop around if you're at all humanly possible able to get a a 3.5. Take the 3.5 rather than a 3. I think that it could come into play in this game. So that's what we're taking a look at there. And what we're taking a look at in terms of the v pro tip for this hour is a little bit of soccer. v slash subscribe for all of those and it was great to have brad thomas and anthony DeBundo to talk a little world cup with us and i do think that it brings up something interesting when handicapping just soccer matches in general when you get these tournaments always take a look a little bit more at unders when it comes to group stages and then once you get into the actual knockout rounds you're able to find a little bit more scoring teams are willing to be a bit more aggressive on offense that leads to more overs as well so i do think that that is something as a nice takeaway from this world cup and We've got some takeaways from college basketball. We've got some handicapping to do on this college basketball board for Thursday next here on the Great Peterson Experience on Bison, the Sports Betting Network.